if you're looking for an effective and practical guide to running your business, whether you're a CEO or not, don't go anywhere because we are going to delve into the CEO code here on Book Circle Online. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. All right, book lovers, we are here for yet another episode of Book Circle Online. We know that you love us and we love you, which is why we are always here for you. Today, we are going to be delving into the world of business, but not just business, business efficiency and how you can be the very, you know, best CEO of your company, whether your company has hundreds of people in it or whether your company is you by yourself on your own. We're delving into the CEO code today with author David Rolander. David, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. <laughs> Delightful to be here. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Uh, for those of you that may not know me, my name is Katerina Kazayas. I'm your host today. Uh, and we are, as I mentioned, going to be delving into uh, this really important book. David is not only an author, he is a coach, he is a business expert. And uh, David, it's a real pleasure to have you in studio with us. Thank you, Katerina. So the CEO code, first of all, I have to say the name is powerful, right? Because yeah. in business, we have to think, CEO is sort of you know the top echelons of an organization. Where did you come up with the, um, the premise of the book? And talk to me a little bit about your experience and where you have come from that may have led to uh, to what I'm holding in my hand right now. Right. Well, it's interesting because I, at least I think it's interesting, I, I work primarily in the executive suite. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I work with a lot so of CEOs mm -hmm. and vice vice presidents sure. and CIO and CTO. CFOs and COOs CFOs and all, all the CEOs, right? Okay. C for chief. Right. And um, that's my target market. Hmm. I work with a lot of other people as well, but my target, or the, if I think of golf, the sweet spot mm -hmm. is the CEO or the executive suite. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to play with that or, or somehow let that get out in the title. And then I was talking to a good friend of mine who's a business consultant about marketing, and, and we came up with the idea, kind of a joint uh, coming up with the idea of why don't we take the CEO, which obviously is chief executive officer, and change it to communication, execution, mm -hmm. operations. So what the book is all about is those three elements of running a business. And you mentioned the CEO and it's for the CEO. One of the things I like to focus on is we're each the CEO of our own lives. Mm -hmm. And we have, like in my case, David Rolander Inc., right. which is my corporation. And I like people to think of themselves as a company. Mm -hmm and do a lot of the things that we do in companies for yourself. So it's communication, execution, operations. And those are, there are 15 chapters in the book, three chapters on communication, three on execution, and three on operations. Right, fantastic. Your history, you are a, a consultant by trade. You have been in the corporate world for a while, but you didn't start there. No, Where did you no. start? Um, because you have an interesting background. You folks have to listen to a little bit of about we've, – we've got to frame David first and then David's life experience. Because I'm a believer, David, in, you know, no one's path is uh, identical, right? We all have a unique path. And I really am a believer in the fact that our personal path shapes our, our life's destiny, if you will. So oh, where yeah. did your path start? Well, I'm originally from back east. Okay. I was born and raised in New Jersey. Mm of a Swedish immigrant father who was an engineer. Okay. And so when I was young, I thought, well, I should be an engineer. 
right? And in school, I did fairly well in both the humanities and in the engineering stuff, okay. or math. You did and the all math that. and all that, right? Science so, and math. Okay. And so obviously, I started in engineering at Rutgers University. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I have to admit, I didn't adjust real well to the university. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of fun. I was in the glee club, and I was in the fraternity, and sometimes I would study. (laughs) My folks moved to California. He got transferred. My dad did. And I said, I'm coming with you because, you know. It's California. California. Come on, right? Who wouldn't? And this is back a few years ago. (laughs) More than 10. The age of Aquarius. Here we go. Right. Yeah, they, you know, you're 40 and up. Right. I'm, o- I'm over 40. Maybe okay. you can't tell by looking at me, but I'm over 40. There we go. <laughs> yeah. so, so you came out here. So I came out here, and I could sing. Hmm. And I had oh, sung and on TV as a kid and all this kind of stuff. So there was a school in Santa Barbara that had a quartet, okay. which I tried out for and made. I made it. And that gave me a, a music scholarship to a place called Westmont College. And what my, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I knew I didn't want to be in engineering. Mm. So I went into literature. Oh, goodness. Then because of the transfer, I went into history as well. So I got a double major, literature and history. And then to show you how things work, I ended up in the Navy Reserve because I didn't <laughs> want to get drafted. And then I saw some stuff there that was kind of not what I thought it was going to be, shall we say. Okay. And the story's in the book. Right, yeah. Um, and I transferred to the Air Force and became a fighter pilot. Right. Wow. So I was in Vietnam, 208 missions yes. in Vietnam. And then I went to Europe. I was in Europe for three years. So I had the experience of living overseas in mm-hmm. Asia for a year. And, and in Europe. And Europe for three. Right. right. Then I came back and got an MBA in finance, got hired by Merrill Lynch, did mm-hmm. that for about 10 years, got into real estate developing. Then I retired at 40, okay. moved up to the high Sierra, the mountains, right? Yes. Had my airplane and was, as they say, living large. <laughs> <laughs> and again, had another humbling experience because interest rates run right. <laughs> real high. <laughs> That's the equivalent <laughs> of our 2008, right? Yeah. You oh. think you're, yeah, I thought I was retired, David, in 2006, and then 2008 happened. Well, so think, I'm feeling you right now. I think, I mean, they just raised prime a quarter yeah, of a point, of a so point it's 1.25. One, I wasn't expecting them 1. to because this is 2. the 5. second rate increase this year. My yes. little scenario I was just sharing with you, interest rates were over 20%. Prime, over 20%. Just imagine. We're complaining about 1.25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it was crazy time. So I had to go back yeah. to work, and I got into consulting and training okay. and started some businesses, got into a travel business, did different things okay. like that, started a dot-com in the dot com era, uh huh, cool, perfectly, right. Started right exactly at the right time and got out at exactly the right time. Exactly. Only exactly I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote that down wave a little I did bit. The opposite. <laughs> and some yeah. one of the things I talk about in the book is how we learn from our mistakes. Yes. And mm. I've fortunately had more successes than mistakes, but I've made some whoppers. I really have. But I think it's the whoppers, David, that again allow us to frame the good and the bad. Right. I Without agree. the bad, we wouldn't really appreciate the good. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I agree. And now you consult for, th- for um, you know, again, heavy hitters like Ernst & Young uh-huh. and, uh, and corporations. So uh, Chief Executive Officer, Communication, uh, Effectiveness. Execution. Execution, I'm sorry. Operations. Operation, right. Um, talk to me about the importance of each of those. Communication first. Because one of the things that I think people underestimate is the, uh, the importance of body language in communication and you touch on this in your book I'm speaking to you right now and we're having a conversation and we're holding hands which means we are friends people we are friends but you know many times it's that undercurrent of the body language 
that is communicating more than what the words are, right? How important yeah. is body language in, in well, business? Let me, let me tell you what I just learned when I held her hand. Well, oh, that I'm First, warmer than he is because his, his was a little bit cold. Mine's cold <laughs> and hers was warm, there you go. right? From a body language standpoint, that means she's more comfortable than I am because my blood is going to my core to keep me surviving in this strange environment right of the theater and you're very used to this and so you're very comfortable although i may hopefully look and feel comfortable the the real litmus test was Mm. the fact that i had cold fingers Hmm. cool fingers Mm -hmm. so i'm a little on edge Mm -hmm. you're making me nervous i always do (laughs) body language is incredibly important um you notice when i did that i just reached my hand out i didn't say anything but yet it changed her whole dialogue and who she was and she realized whatever i was trying to i mean body language is very 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 important Mm. and I, i think the most important thing about body language that people need to pay attention to is it's not just one thing. It's multiple things. You have to look at the gestalt, the whole picture, okay. so that you see what's really going on. So going on, you mean in terms of the way my feet are positioned, the way my head is positioned, whether I'm touching you or not? Yeah. Uh, that's and, a lot and, to input if you're and, also and, listening to the words, And right? the most important part of body language, which you may or may not be aware of, so I'll share, Okay, <laughs> is the eyes. Mm the eyes hmm. and visual facial expression like look at that beautiful smile and the twinkle in the eyes and the teeth I mean just it, it, she's charming you know, she's well, incredibly I'm, charming I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something and we're going to just segue a little bit away from this discussion but it, it has to do with this discussion I'm sure you will agree I believe that people are successful in business and in life when they have a passion for something. Uh-huh. So I think you are identifying the passion that I have for the work that I do. I love it. Yeah, see, You can't hide that. You know, yeah. it's interesting. It's impossible not to communicate. Mm. It is impossible. If you just go to a party or you go to a social function and you sit in the corner and just sit alone and cross your fingers and cross your legs and just, you're communicating. You're communicating. You're not communicating very good stuff. Mm-hmm. You're not communicating very much energy. You're not communicating friendliness, but you are communicating the opposite of those things. Right. And so we are always communicating. Mm. People forget that too. Number one, body language, it's the whole everything that you have to look at. Right, right. But in the communication, it, we're always communicating. Hmm. Every minute of every day, we're communicating. Is there uh, a specific um, body language trigger that we should be looking for or looking to portray if we're in a position of authority? If I'm the see something something of a company, um, by virtue of being in the C-suite, I am probably a little bit older, more mature, more experienced. Right, right. Uh, do I come to the table naturally with a different posture? Very, very very interesting thought and question. Hmm. The thing that I have found in coaching executives is that you're most successful when you're totally authentic and yourself as opposed to trying to be something that you're not or trying to mimic or play act or call it what you want to call it, artificial, manipulative, Hmm. whatever. You'll do best when you're open, honest, and authentic. Authentic, David, is great, except for the fact that we are living in 2017. We are living in an age where social media is rampant. I put filters on my phone so that my face looks 10 years younger. Are people allowed to be authentic? If you're strong. Do we give people permission to be authentic? Screw permission. (laughs) If you're going to ask for permission for everything, you're going to go nowhere ever. Mm. You have to do it. It's much easier. You've heard this one, I'm sure. It's much easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Yes. Right? This is true. 
So we have to have, and, and this is the core of the book, yeah. um, in order to be an effective communicator, which is I think where we're mm-hmm. going here, you have to be authentic, which is what I said, and that means you have to be very comfortable mm-hmm. with who you are, and you have to know who you are mm-hmm. and be comfortable with that. Most people that are not good communicators or don't effectively communicate with everybody, it's not about the everybody, mm. it's about them. If you're a good communicator, it's because you have it together and know how to do it. And if you're a bad communicator or if you have a problem communicating with certain people, mm-hmm. it's because you don't know what you're doing yourself, with yourself. Mm. So it's an internal thing that then manifests itself Okay. in the way you communicate with others. And most people think it's about this or about that or they blame or it's this problem or that problem or it's society or it's the internet. Right, right. Or, it's or it's the economy th- or no, whatever no, you no, want no. to pin it on. It goes back to you have to be hmm. authentic, I believe. We're talking about effectivne- effectiveness. Um, what is the difference between effectiveness and efficiency? Ah, good question. It's, it's, a, it's used a lot. Both words are used a lot. Right. And especially I work with a lot of financial people okay. because that's my background. Mm-hmm. And that's Ernst and & Young. And I work. I kind of like the sexy fighter pilot background, but okay. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go to the finance background for a minute. <laughs> and, and what you find is that uh, people that are very analytical mm-hmm. are usually very um, controlling and, 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 well, they're trying to. Um, to be the boss. To be the boss, mm-hmm. and to be quite honest, I just forgot what the question was. Efficiency versus effectiveness. Yes, thank you. So they're efficient. Okay. Thank you. They're very efficient. Okay. And that's doing things right. Accountants, it's how do you balance the sheet, right? Y- y- you, right. The, the balance sheet's mm-hmm. got to balance. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Nums and figs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The green eye shade, right, all that right. stuff. Debit right? credit to make yeah. sure, yeah, zero at the so, end. So they're into efficiency. Mm-hmm. But effectiveness is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Classic example, I was working with a firm called Deloitte. Okay. Deloitte Touche. Back in the day? Yeah. It's another <laughs> accounting firm. Yeah. And uh, a fellow by the name of, of, I remember his name, it was Leroy, was the manager of, um, the administrative manager for the office. And they mm-hmm. had a couple of hundred accountants in this office. And we were going through a time management problems. Okay. And so what he did was he sent a letter back, or an email, I don't think we had email at the time, but he sent a message back to the headquarters that says, what is this report for that we do? We spend two and a half days every month doing this report, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Why is it so important? And they came back to him and said, hey, I'm glad you asked. We haven't used that report for two years. Why are you wasting all that time doing it? Wow. Right? So they were being very efficient doing this report for two and a half days, but they were totally wasting time because they weren't doing the right thing. How do you, if you have a company that you're running, how do you um, carve out the, uh, the I don't want to say the red flags, but the process is to catch something like that? You know, and, and, and maybe I'll back this up a little bit in terms of being an individual, because probably most of our audience... Um, you know, they're not C-suite executives yet, although many of us, you know, aspire to get there. Um, if you have your own life, how do you pinpoint the tasks that you're doing simply because you have to do them versus the tasks that you need to do that will really move you forward? Um, and that's something that I'm grappling with a little bit now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm spending a lot of time, David, on answering emails keeping up with my social media posts, making sure I get to my appointments. And yet, 
all of those are, are, are I'm finding are a huge distraction to the real mental game that I should be playing that I know is going to move me forward quicker. So how do we move away from the tactical? Okay, I've got about 20 things that I want to share with you. Okay, <laughs> but this is that, why we have him here. directly relate to that, but I'll start with measure, measure, measure. Mm, meaning? You have to measure mm. what you're doing. Mm. Um, you have to measure what you're doing on a practical, immediate <laughs> right here basis, okay. close in, yeah. and you have to measure the end result. Mm. And then you look for the correlation between the two. And if you can't see a correlation between the two, there probably isn't one, right? <laughs> Which means one of them needs to stop, right? right. Yeah, the, one of the yeah. things we talk about in the book is uh, a little formula that the when the editor read this, the, he, he put it in there as the code. Okay. It's not really the code, but it's a part of the code. Mm -hmm. And that is attitude plus activities plus skills equals results. This is really fundamental, basic, but very, very important. Attitude, mm -hmm. right? You right. mentioned of earlier, yeah. how, before we started, was she was telling me how she loves positive mm -hmm. attitude and upbeat and all that it's stuff, important, right? 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 Yes. So yeah. attitude starts. Add that to activities. Mm -hmm. That's all those things. You're, you're doing emails. You're doing right. whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All the stuff you're doing. Phone okay. calls. Yeah. Right, right. Going to networking group. Do whatever you. Whatever sure. it is. Yeah. Crunching numbers, pushing papers. Yeah. Those are activities. And then comes skills. Mm. Being able to do it really well. Mm. Right? Uh, add them together, and you should get results. Hmm. So results. It's a nice formula. Yeah. I like it. And and the reason it's so important is because the hardest thing, let me just, because of time, I'll just give you the answers rather than coach you through it. Attitude is very difficult to measure. Activities are easy to measure. Mm -hmm. Skills are so-so. Mm -hmm. Most people hire people because they think they have the skills. Okay, right. The biggest mistake is they should hire primarily because of their attitude. <laughs> of the three things, attitude, activities, and skills, attitude is far and away the most important. Hmm. This is very important. In, in fact, it, we talk a little bit in the book about, actually quite a bit, about emotional intelligence. Right. And that has a lot to do with your attitude. Emotional intelligence, your attitude toward yourself, understanding your own emotions, etc. What is well emotional intelligence? How, how would you define that versus regular intelligence? Regular intelligence, there's been a lot of research done at Harvard. Like my IQ is my intelligence. Yeah. When I went to school, yeah. Katarina, I don't, I, probably for you it wasn't so much this way. Okay. But when I went to school, it was reading, writing, and arithmetic. Okay. And if you did well in reading, writing, and arithmetic, you were... You did were well an in honor life, student. Right? You were you sure. were you were smart. You were top of the class. You were rewarded. You got awards and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yet the people that get all A's in those three areas aren't necessarily going to be the most successful. Why is that? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It's because those things are only a part of intelligence. At Harvard, there's a fellow by the name of um, Armstrong, and uh, I've got uh, that's he wrote the book about it. It's another fellow. I forget his name. But he's a professor at Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, and he is studying multiple intelligences. They've got about eight that they've identified. Mm. Things like kinesthetic intelligence. That's physical. Like think of a Michael Jordan or mm, a great right. athlete. They're so physically a adept. Michael Jackson even, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, yeah. He's so well right. coordinated yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. He was. Right. So that's kinesthetic intelligence. Mm. There's uh, interpersonal intelligence, mm. which you're very good at. I can tell you that. I know that. And it's because she's so charming and because you're a vivacious person and, and you sure. listen well, too. But but that's uh, to be able to read people, mm. 
uh, is interpersonal intelligence, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's intrapersonal intelligence, mm-hmm. which is a different kind of intelligence. It's the ability to sit in a corner and think. If I ask you to do an assignment, I say, I'm going to put you in this room alone with no, and you're not going to talk to any people for eight hours. Would you be frustrated? <laughs> yes. Yes, she would. I know. You can tell. I know. I'm a people person. I know, I know, I know. So intrapersonal is someone who thinks alone, right? Okay. There's musical intelligence. Sure, There's yeah. spatial intelligence. Right, right, right. Seeing shapes and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and this, and, and I think, not, not to cut you off, but I think this has been the challenge for a lot of kids in the public school system. Because for many, many years, and still, they're measuring those three first things that you touched on, yeah. right? Reading, writing, and arithmetic. And somebody may be so skilled at being creative, working with shapes, working with touch, working sure. with body. Um, so so it's, it's good that we are identifying that. In fact, if anybody out there, if you have kids, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend you go online and get a book by Armstrong, the fellow I mentioned earlier, called In Their Own Way. Mm-hmm. And the, it's a finger finger painting of the covers of finger painting of a hand mm-hmm. and we're all different mm-hmm. and you need to know what your child and yourself their core strength is what what your natural yeah. abilities are so true very very important and and i'm just going to um add to that david because uh, for me personally um for those of you that, that know me you know that my background started in finance and the reason i went into business and finance was partially because i was really in love with history and communications. And I was a little bit afraid and thought, well, if I go that route, I may be flipping burgers. So I'll do something that's a little more uh, traditionally proven, and I'll do finance. And I did that for almost 10 years. I was literally behind a desk, a computer Excel spreadsheet, head down. And I mean, you've known me now for just these few minutes, and you can tell that I'm much more alive than someone that is meant to sit behind a computer. When 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 I came into that interpersonal um, skill set or natural talent, natural ability, if you will. When you recognized it or admitted it? When I recognized it, when I admitted it, when I allowed myself to give myself permission to own that, I became a much happier person and a much more effective person. And I think it's very important to be able to tune into what is it that you do that is unique. Right. It is absolutely And if you're a parent... Good advice. Identifying for your kids. You know, what do they like right. doing? What yeah. do they really enjoy? They're right. going to be good mm-hmm. when they are when they like something, right? Yes. Or they're going to like something when they're good at and it. And they'll want to do exactly, it. And they'll, right? they'll do it with a smile on their faces. You know, listen to what that is. Tune into that. Yes, very important. Very important. Very, very important. Um, so emotional intelligence. Uh, I, I suppose, though, as the CEO, even of your own life, um, how does one tune into what that might be. I mean, some of us are born knowing that we are meant to be a prima ballerina mm-hmm. or we are meant to be a writer. But I mean, you take someone like um, Apollo Coelho who, you know, always identified as a writer but didn't write his first book until the age of 41. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you how do you allow yourself is there, you know, an online test? Do you go out and meditate for 3 weeks? Uh, what signs do you look for to identify what it is that you bring to the table? I think in a very simple way, you have to become reflective. Mm. You have to take time to think. Mm. There's a survey done of, of senior citizens that I refer to many times when I, I'm a professional speaker sometimes, mm-hmm. give speeches and whatever, and I end with a story. I actually sing a song and end with a story. And it's about a survey that mm. was done of senior citizens. And they asked these seniors, mm. what do you regret? What do you mm. wish you had done differently in life? 
Number one, they wish they had done something with their life that they really cared about. Mm. That's exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Something that you have a passion for, something that you care about, something yeah. that's important to you mm. as a person, right? They wished, and now this is the tricky part, they wish they had taken more risks. Ha <laughs> ha. And so you have to learn to take risks, mm -hmm. and you have to kind of tiptoe into the tulips to do that. But you need to never accept that you can't take risks. You have to push yourself to take risks. And then you have to realize what we were talking about earlier, that when you do make a mistake, it's a positive thing. You're going to learn from it. <laughs> so it's okay. So it's those three things, and the third one is taking time to reflect. Mm. And so if it was anything I was going to say you should do mm -hmm. to answer your question, mm -hmm. it's take time to reflect. Do that after having read. Creativity works the, the way, or I should say, the way creativity works is we get lots of data, we get lots of information, you read books, you listen to <laughs> podcasts, you, you drink in all this information, mm -hmm. and then you have to let it sink in and let it process. And then in time, you'll be in the shower or someplace, and all of a sudden, the light comes on, and you have an answer. You can't just force something. My mm -hmm. son happens to be an artist, mm. and he was sharing with me just the other day because I'm thinking about stuff. Well, Dad, it's all about thinking. Mm. you got to take time to think about it. And my son spends 80%, 70% of his time thinking about what he's going to paint. Right. And then the remain he just pumps it out. Wow. And he teaches at Art Center, so he kind of knows what he's doing. You know, I was at um, at a conference uh, about three weeks ago, um, talking about CEOs, space, and code, and all that stuff. This was um, probably one of the best conferences I have ever been to in my life, and I've been to a lot, uh, called C the CEO Space Conference. Uh, it's the Forbes number one entrepreneurial conference, and uh, it took place in Orlando, Um it has been running for 30 years, and it has, uh, it's basically an entrepreneurial think tank. Uh, I went to this conference, um, was blown out of the water with the intellectual capital that was there, uh, and it was fabulous. And it almost got me to the point of overload because of all of the amazing information that I was being hit with. I had to, at the end of those five days, literally disconnect and and what I mean by that, to your point, is not only did I leave the conference and go, you know, on my way for the weekend, I was so in need of thinking to process all of this great opportunity, information, uh, you know, things that I can do with this, that I, I shut my phone off. Because I think the phone, the cell phone, the smartphone that we carry in our hands right now is one mm -hmm. of the biggest distractions of all time. It's an interrupter, if nothing else. It's massive interrupter, right? I'm looking at it. Did someone like my Instagram? Did someone post on my Facebook? Did someone? Um, so to your point and to your son's point, I think he has figured it out. You really need to give yourself time to process and to get creative in your own mind, mm -hmm. right? And, you and that requires a little data. silence. Drink yeah. in data right. beforehand. right. Mm -hmm. And continually explore. Be curious mm -hmm. and explore and look at things. Mm -hmm. Try things. You know, it's like open doors. Try it. See if it works. See if it works. But some people are scared of that, though, right? It's the risk. Yes. Yeah, they're afraid. But And that's why I'm saying you have to learn mm -hmm. to force yourself to just take baby steps and get better and better. It's like if you're going to become a marathoner. Mm -hmm. You don't start by running five miles. <laughs> you start by walking around the block, right? 
and then you go a little further and a little further. And the key goes back to what we said earlier, measure, measure, measure. Well, I did one block. Mm. A month later, I'm doing two blocks. Mm. Then I'm doing a half, quarter mile, then a half mile. And you measure and you measure and you measure and you measure and you get better and better and better. Speaking of measuring and getting better in the book, um, for those of you that um, that may have the book, some of you may have it. If you don't, I would highly recommend you get it because it's a good one. Uh, page 96 you talk about the four basic activities that categorize a CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, these activities are listed as planning, communicating, managing, and executing. Right. So planning, communicating, managing, and executing. Is there one of those that stands out the most? What's most important? Yes. Planning. What's okay. most difficult? Communicating. <laughs> <laughs> Least important? Managing and executing. Mm. Lesser important. I right. mean, you've got to execute, obviously. But in, in ranking for importance, mm-hmm. it's, it's going, it goes back to what we were saying about efficiency. Mm-hmm. If you're just executing, executing, executing without a plan, it's useless. Then you're like and a if, you're, if you're leading wheel. other people mm-hmm. and you're executing, 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 and planning, 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 and not communicating, it's useless, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Managing is the one where everybody, it's like the other book, it's all about management skills, but it's mm-hmm. where you're m- trying to control and manage and influence and mm-hmm. shape behaviors and all that that's managing managing uh, a lot of times um, has to do with delegating but a lot of times especially a type personalities myself included we have a difficult time delegating why Mm. is that because you want it done right maybe Mm. and you know if you can do it right if you want it done you want it done right you do it yourself. That's if you're one kind of a person. That's called this in the book. One of the models in the understanding chapters about the D, I, S, and C. That's the C, right? They want yes. to do it right. The D, they're impatient. They don't have time to wait, and so they do the D. The I, they don't do it themselves so much, mm. and I think you're probably primarily a high I. Um, that's, that's interesting because the I loves people, loves to work with people, and the idea of doing it themselves, forgive me, but it's... I did it. A <laughs> little bit of the I stuff going on there. Right, right. And maybe the best delegators are the S's, which are the stable, steady people. Stable, steady people. Which most people. of you are. Most people are. 60, 70% of people are S. Are, are S's. Yeah. yeah. It's always fun to do these tests. I'm going to flip to your next book. So David has also written a book here called Management Skills. Now, this was the follow-up book to CEO Code? It's, notice it's Idiot's Guide. Idiot's Guide, uh, as easy as it gets. So the Idiot's Guide to Management Skills, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read right off the front cover, easy to follow lessons on effectively managing people, mm-hmm. which if you're uh, having problems delegating, you want to read, uh, expert advice on leading, delegating, team building, and more, and simple solutions for developing a positive company culture. Back to what we were saying, attitude. Right. What do you talk about in your management skills book? All of these? There are 25, if I remember right, there are 25 mm-hmm. chapters. The okay. CEO code became a bestseller. My agent called me up um, one day, and she said, David, would you be interested in writing an idiot's guide? And I said, <laughs> well, you know, it's like the there's the dummy series and the idiot's guide series. It's a big, it's it's yes. the largest publisher on the planet. I know, yeah, it's great. Pearson, from Pearson. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I said, well, I don't know, Carol. It depends on what the subject right. is. She said, well, management skills. I said, hey, management skills, piece of cake. I could do that, I right? I can do that, yeah. I can do that. So this is, I think, a fun story, kind of a, an aside. She says, well, David, I'm leaving for Europe tomorrow, but I've already talked to the agent about you and they're waiting to hear from you. 
How fun. So, I mean, <laughs> you've heard about how hard it is to get a book published right. on it. I called him up. I said, hey, how are you? And he said, oh, yeah, could you send us a sample chapter, which I did, and I got the contract. Boom. <laughs> yeah, but kind of fun. It, to your credit, that's because you had some good content to share, you know, good good information. Um, Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good – it's a very, very good book. In mm-hmm. fact, there's a Ph.D. that I've um, – that's written a comment on it and he said some really nice things about it and he's real smart (laughs) it's nice when smart people like what you do you know absolutely because i'm not the smartest kid on the block uh you (laughs) he's downplaying himself that's why we like david because he's humble uh you are um a consultant you are a a public speaker you have you are an author you are also a mentor and a coach Mm -hmm. um and we were talking about this before the program i definitely want to um articulate this for uh, you know, for people that are curious, we hear these words thrown around: get a mentor, get a coach, get a mentor, get a coach. What is the difference? There are as many definitions as the difference between mentor and coach as there are. Carter has pills. You remember Carter has pills? I just got an email today about old expressions like coming a jalopy. back again. <laughs> yeah. That's a really, really old expression. There are a lot of different opinions. Let me give you my version. Okay. I do. In fact, I do a lot of webinars, and okay. I do one webinar on uh, coaching, and mm-hmm. I start out with what's the difference. Mm-hmm. So, from my view, to keep it simple mm-hmm. and to keep it practical. Uh, a mentor is someone who has been there and done that. Mm. And so they are able, uh, like a scout, if you think of when they were coming from St. Louis and the east to the west, Indian Territory, you needed a scout. Why did you need a scout? Because the scout had been there already. Mm. They knew what the foibles were. They knew how to speak to the Indians. How to they negotiate, knew, how to get they you to They knew pass those through. things. And so they mm. had been there and done that, and they were able to mentor you. Now, if they went with you, they would probably be more like a coach. Mm. And they would be measuring you and helping you set goals. And, well, let's go to this point. Let's go to that point. It's more practical mm. and more intimate. But the mentor, the biggest difference between a mentor and a coach from the coach or mentor's point of view is that the mentor has been there and done that. Mm. There's a group called ICF International uh, Coaches Federation or something and they have thousands of people that are coaches. Okay. Some mm. of them use crystals, some of them use the stars, some of them use books, some of them use all kinds of different things. Many, many approaches to coaching, right? Mm. But a mentor has been there, done that. So a coach, on the other hand, may or may not have ever done anything. In fact, it's like professional speakers. There are a lot of people that speak professional. I'm in a thing called National Speakers Association. Mm-hmm. I've been there for 30 years. And there's hundreds of speakers that have never done anything except talk. Okay. And they go out and they talk to people about how they should live their lives or run their business or whatever. And they've never done anything except talk. Mm. And there are a lot of coaches out there that have never done anything except talk to other people or whatever. They don't have any practical, practical experience. experience. Right. But you can coach easier than be a mentor without much practical experience mm. because you can use models. In ICF, they have a lot of models how to ask questions. So it's more mechanical, mm-hmm. and you can go through the process. It's, it's kind of like learning rudimentary math. Okay. You know, there, there's a yeah. A now that's not to not to say that they're all rudimentary. Not I don't mean that at all. It's just that approaching coaching that way, hmm. uh, it's it takes less experience. The biggest difference: a coach will probably be more intimately involved in measurement and uh, accountability and holding your feet to the fire and and inspiring you on all that kind of thing in a in a daily practical or a weekly practical way than a mentor. Mm-hmm. A mentor is someone who you meet with and they share 
based on your initiative what they know about what you're asking or mm -hmm. what you're curious about or they'll give you guidance watch out for this watch out for that is there one that you prefer doing over the other um, or does I, it depend I, on who you're working with I think it depends I do a lot of mentoring um, in fact I I have people all the time that, you know, the uh, pro bono stuff, they're always calling me for <laughs> <laughs> And that's, that's really more mentoring than it is coaching. And I enjoy helping people, so mm -hmm. that's why I, that's my, my cell phone is on my, my email and on my, my LinkedIn. And what I, I'm happy to talk to people, yeah. I'm happy to be helpful. I, I mean, that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at an age where I'm trying to give back as best I can, and so I'm, I'm, an, I'm at a cheap date or an easy date or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> David, I'll, David, I'll help you for free. No, just kidding. Uh, what has been the highlight of your career? Highlight? Yeah. Depends on the uh, what you mean by highlight. Let me ex say that the most exhilarating and exciting thing I've ever done mm -hmm. is fly fighters in combat. Far and away. There's nothing to fly fighters. Um, you were like, like the original Top Gun. Like you were... Mm. Tom Cruise. I love yeah, except it. Except Tom Cruise got airsick all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's it was the most exhilarating wow, thing yeah. that uh, I've ever done, far and away. Um, I could get so cool. I could, you know, I could tell you stories, but we don't have time for that. It's really, really fun thing. Yeah. So that's the most exciting thing. Okay. Uh, the most um, emotionally, probably the m most exciting thing I've done is sing. Singing for me was when I was younger. I I sang right. a lot. Uh, once in a while, I sing now, but not much. But that's from an emotional standpoint. That's uh, I really get into it. Mm -hmm. It's uh, an emotional high, right? Is there a reason you didn't pursue singing as a career? I wasn't good enough. Mm. I I assumed I wasn't good enough, mm -hmm. and I I probably was right. Mm. When you see things like The Voice and all these different shows, you look and, at the and talent, the kids, right? You're oh, they're, wow. see, they're, what's what's I I love that show because of the, well, I love music, right? Yeah. But the uh, some of them are just amazing. Yeah. Like there was a guy that uh, on the last series that shreds the guitar. I mean, it's incredible. He also builds the guitars <laughs> and he sings. Right. Just incredible. Yeah. Just yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three top qualities in an effective CEO. We're going to be wrapping up here soon. CEO, the way we classically think of a CEO, chief executive officer. What would you, uh, you know, and I, I understand that this is different for different sectors and different individuals. Right, but right. if you had to narrow it down for our viewers, somebody that is starting a business that wants to be his own CEO, wants to start creating a little empire, what are the three top qualities you would um, advise him to ferment? First of all, if you're just looking for a job, don't become a CEO. <laughs> uh, it's not a job. It, it's something that you have to have a passion and a belief in, and you're, it has to relate to your values mm. and what you're. What you have to have a purpose. Mm. There mm. has to be a purpose that for you is is, is incredibly important mm. and directly relates to your core values. I think that's the most important ingredient to being an effective CEO. Mm. Uh, what would be next? Um, something that you can do and master and learn would be to be an effective communicator. Mm. Uh, that's the biggest shortfall that I see uh, out there, with, and no matter where you're looking, whether it's personal, interpersonal relationships or running a business or anything in between. Mm. It's like uh, the guy at Uber 
Travis Kalanick, who has just gone on leave. He had an emotional experience, mm. trauma. His his mother died in a boat accident, and his father was injured. And but he had other things going on, like that viral video of of mm -hmm. him yeah. getting into a bit of a confrontation with a driver and all that stuff. There, that's all an emotional um, intelligence thing. Mm. Okay. And emotional intelligence, which we talked about very briefly, has a lot to do with communication. Communication is the single most uh, important ingredient that you can work on yourself mm. to become master of your fate. This is not something that is taught, though, really in schools. No, not at all. So I have you a business. Know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking to become a, a more effective communicator, you definitely want to um, log on to, to David's uh, website. David, one last question for you. I have to go there. So this is going back to my own personal brand at this point. Um, you have lived uh, a full life. If you were to look back and talk to, uh, normally I ask about your 20-year-old self, but that 20 years old, you've got so much ahead of you. So I'm going to take it to, you know, 40. You look at your 40-year-old self. Mm-hmm. What would you have advised him? Well, him being me, I retired at 40. Mm -hmm. Lucky and, guy. And I did it because I had enough bucks. Right. It was all about money. Mm. Uh, I was then humbled after a few years, right? right? Um, and I found that I'm, I, I, I literally sat on, sat on the mountaintop up in Mammoth Lakes, mm. and I had time to think. Mm. And I said, do I want to go back in the money game? Dave's the name, money's the game. I know it. Mm. I can easily do that. Or do I want to work in what I found to be the most important other area, communications? Mm. So I've chosen the communications. And so my advice would be to do what you I, – I wouldn't want to change anything, mm. but do what you really care about. Do what you really care about and know your own self. Mm -hmm. Know your values. Understand and and understand. Do we, how much time do we have? Do we have for one more sort of Absolutely. model? There's yep. there's there's a thing that I use quite a bit that is very very relevant to this. Um, and it's it's whether you're a one person person organization like maybe you are currently right at the or moment. or whether you're running a major organization or whatever it is it is critically important that you understand your concept mm -hmm. your context and your content mm -hmm. concept relates to your purpose in life why does god allow you to continue to be here and breathe mm -hmm. Why are you here? Very good question. What yeah. is it all about, Alfie, mm -hmm. if you remember the movie? <laughs> mm -hmm. Why are you here? Mm -hmm. What is it you're supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And it's not make money. Right. And it's not just build a bigger house right. or have a fancy car or, or get a, a Rolex watch. Or get a bigger TV watch. or go on a better vacation. No, no. Right. I've done all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's about what are you here for? What is your purpose in life? Then, once you define that, can you say it? Can you write it? Can you share it with others? And if you're a CEO, will the people that work for you be able to identify that by watching your behavior? Hmm. Because if it's not coming out in your daily activities, behaviors, right. it, you're, you're, you're conning yourself. It's not real. Hmm. So what's your concept? What's it all about? Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. The context is who do you do it for? Who do you do it with? 
who are who is your target market? Like I said at the very beginning, my target market on the book was the executive suite, the CEO. So who is your target market? Who are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things to look at there, and this goes to multi-level marketing and all that other stuff, if you think of a bell-shaped curve, mm-hmm. your target market is going to be the mean or right in the middle of that. And look at the psychographics, the demographics, mm-hmm. and all the characteristics of who you are mm-hmm. to identify your target market or your warm market. Mm-hmm. And that's probably who you're going to be most comfortable with. Mm-hmm right? Mm -hmm. If I was going out trying to work with five-year-olds, that's probably not going to be my target market, Mm -hmm. right? Nor real, really old people. Mm -hmm. But age-wise, it's going to be around my, right? 40, that's what we said I am, 40, 41, 39, whatever. Right in there. (laughs) And then the last thing is the content. And the content relates to what we were saying back at the beginning about efficiency. Do, Mm -hmm. do, do, do this, do that. Make 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 an eye. But you want to wait to to, to build the content after you've identified the content the context and also the concept, right? Yeah, Otherwise, you're going backwards. The most important is the concept. Okay. And and that takes time. So you're mm. going to have to do mm-hmm. some junk stuff, a job in the meantime. Right. If you want to eat and if you want to have a roof over your head, right? You can't just – it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? right? Self- yeah. It's real hard. If you're worried about getting shot or if you're worried about how you're going to eat, it's real hard to self-actualize, I mean, it's just not realistic. And so it's the same with this little model of concept, context, and content. Mm. You're going to have to do some stuff at the beginning. That's con- and that's going to hopefully, that's like trying the doors, different mm. things. Mm-hmm. What, what brings you joy? What, and you need to measure yourself. Where do, I, where do I do well? What do I really enjoy? How can I develop that into something that's important to my real values, right. what I want to do with my life? Yeah. And I'm also a big believer in when you're doing something with your life that you genuinely enjoy, that you're genuinely passionate about, that you genuinely want to get up in the morning and do, eventually the success for all intents and purposes will come. And maybe the success will be financial, and maybe the success will just be happiness. That's you know? a nice one. Yeah. To be know, happy we, and fulfilled. Ah. That's a yeah, heck nice, of a lot nice, more. Nice thing to look at it. When you know, I, I was at ninety five, when you when you know when you're looking in the mirror. I That's was with Merrill Lynch mm-hmm. for ten years, mm-hmm. almost ten years, mm-hmm. and uh, and I did fairly well too. But I worked with many many people that were much much wealthier than I am. Mm-hmm. Some of the wealthiest people in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I thought of several stories I can tell you, but I'll just say, money does not make you happy. Now, the lack of money can make you very sad, <laughs> but to, to seek money mm-hmm. just for the sake of money mm-hmm. is not going to make you very happy. You have to have something more than that. Yeah. And if you do it really well, and if you have a good context market, you're going to make money. You're going to make some money, absolutely. Yeah. Or you'll earn money, as they say, right? <laughs> the only people that make money work in the mint. Everybody else has to earn money. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> Darn it. And here I was going to go play the lottery later. Um, David, last question. Um, do you feel fulfilled? I, every day. I'm, I'm excited about, yes. I am doing what I've been called, driven, mm. love doing. Uh, I would do it for free. I've already indicated that. <laughs> because I love it. I really do. I really do. And, and the, the reality is all of the blood and tears and weeping and wailing and mistakes and money I've lost and as well as all the good things Mm -hmm. come together so that I can give some pretty good advice they say well we thank you for um, for your willingness to share it Uh, I think that um, people that have uh, lived a really interesting life and that are willing to share some of that their experiences, their knowledge, their pitfalls, 
um, is so very important, especially for people starting out. And, uh, you know, I had a question posed to me the other day, you know, is it more difficult or, or easier for millennials in this environment? And uh, and I wrote a whole big, you know, uh, pod blog on, on my thoughts there. But what I came to the conclusion of was the economic times we're living in are irrelevant if you have the right attitude and the right drive and the right uh, willingness to understand what your own authentic power is. Uh, and I know for me, um, if you're watching and you don't know what that is yet, don't worry, you're not alone. Because um, <laughs> I think David can attest to the fact that it is always evolving. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and it's also allowed to change, I think. I'm right? continually reassessing how I'm doing things yeah. and what I'm doing. Right. Continually. Until right. I die. Right. Right. Well, we hope you don't die too soon. <laughs> uh, the CEO code, uh, I'm guessing you can pick this up on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Amazon's and uh, and the like. So CEO code and also the Idiot's Guide to Management Skills. You're going to want to pick up both of these if you are living in the world of business. And even if you are a creative person, uh, you're going to want to um, absorb the uh, skills and the knowledge because at the end of the day, as David mentioned, it comes down to communication. It comes down to efficiency, effectiveness and all of these real-world things. <laughs> um, that was our show. David, thank you so much for my being pleasure. here with us. My if people want to reach out to you personally, I know you have a website. What is that well, website? My name, David yep. at DavidRolander.com or DavidRolander.com. Perfect, DavidRolander.com. And for R-O-H, me... R-O-H, R-O-H-L-A-N-D-E-R. I was not a great speller. No, it's Swedish. So. <laughs> should be should be on the link down there. Uh, for now, we thank you for watching. Uh, again, I'm Katarina Kazayas. You were watching you. Book Circle Online. It was a lot of fun. This hour just flies by. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it is a lot I of appreciate fun. It. Uh, we thank you for being here. My and uh, and for those of you that are with us, stay tuned always for really great in depth uh, opportunities to sit with the authors behind these amazing books. It's always so fun. Um, thank you for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Bye now. Thank you. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to BookCircleOnline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at BookCircleOnline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle. <laughs>